So um, we started, a, a, after we went through the book of Acts, we started a topical series. This is the second one of that that we're going through. And it's basically a dozen or so areas that are, are really relevant to us in our ongoing relationship with the Lord and then, um, and then others, of course. And my encouragement is that when we go into these different areas that we would allow the Lord uh, to stretch us you know, beyond our comfort zone or beyond our, our, our understanding of things that we perhaps have heard before or heard something similar in the sense that for us not to be satisfied with, with yesterday's understanding or yesterday's experiences or, or yesterday's revelation. Are you, are you with me? That we always want to ask for, for more of these things? Despite what we think we understand, and, and because God is is a today God, He is He's always wanting to stretch us beyond ourselves, who we think that we are, into who He's created us to be, and so it's the Holy Spirit's work in our lives as we approach Scripture, as we approach like I'm doing different topics that are uh, biblical. It's the Holy Spirit's one of His things is to work in our lives in order to complete the work that he started in us, Philippians 1.6. And so this morning that we're going to look at a, a uh, subject of our service to God, but not just as an obligation, you know, obligated to serve because we have a master that not only requires it, but he's deserving of our service. It's more than that. It's, like, it's not like this duty to fulfill, but we want to have our, um, our, our role of serving the Lord flow out of our uh, passionate love for him, which is what we looked at last week. And then out of that serving uh, him, out of our love, it, it leads us to, into his joy. Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 13 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving to you today for your own good. So there's five descriptive words here about following God. And it's what it begins by saying, this is what God asks of us. First is to, to fear, which is reverence, have reverence for him, honor him. Uh, the, the, then there's a walk, love, serve, and observe. And so God expects these things for, from us. And I'm, it's, it's, it's pretty important to pay attention to the things that God expects, don't you think? This is what he expects. He's asking us to honor him, you know, out of reverence. He, he's asking us to worship him as, as the high king. He's, he expects us to walk um, in his ways, in all of his ways, he, which means lo in love and in kindness and integrity and goodness and mercy. And he's, he's saying to, to love him, which is this passionate love, you know, not um, anything other than... Well, anything less than, than all of who we are in, in, in passion. And he's asking us to serve him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in, in, with, without, uh, uh, with, with being unselfish completely and otherly minded. And he expects us to observe all that he's commanded us to do. Now, that's all easy, right? <clears throat> I'm struggling a little bit because I'm on these antibiotics for about four days now, so I'm kind of like, uh, my head is uh, not really here. <laughs> I, 
It's, it, my heart is, is here. <laughs> my spirit is here. My head is elsewhere. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, okay, yeah. Uh, so, so, so you, you know, reverence me, honor me, serve me, do everything I want you to do, follow my will, you know, all this kind of, be perfect, in other words, you know? And it's like, oh, wow. Um, but, but look at the, the last three words of, of this passage. For our own good. You see, God asks us to do all of these things that sometimes feel so weighty, so impossible, but He's asking them to do us for our own benefit. I mean, we know that that we're supposed to honor, love, and serve serve God, but but how many, how many, how how often do we realize that such expectations that He has of us is for us, for our own good? And, and that understanding, I think, can help us remain faithful whenever we meet obstacles or spiritual warfare along the way. Have you ever met an obstacle in your attempt to serve God? Have you ever had, had spiritual warfare in your efforts to you know, walk with Him and be faithful? And so knowing that, I mean, our love for Him and our passion for Him is what, it, 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 and, and seeing Him causes us to persevere. There's no question about it. But there could also be a little bit of help along the way when we say, hey, wait a minute. This is for me. This is for my good. You know? And then at faithfulness, as we walk through the storms and deserts and prisons of life, knowing that whatever we're going through, He's forming something in us and it's going to benefit me in the long run, our faithfulness will bring us into the, this joy that would otherwise be unattainable outside of serving Him. Psalm 126.6, He who goes out weeping, carrying, so, carrying seed to soil, <laughs> carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Well, my, everything's blurry, too. I'm mean, just like, I want to put on my glasses, but I can, can't see out here. So I'm like, <clears throat> I need to go with, like, 24 font. It's only 16. <clears throat> Do you know what I started 20-some years ago? It was 12. So then it kind of gets bigger and bigger. Anyway, where was he at? Oh, yeah. So he, is that up there? Yes, it is. Psalm 126. So this, is, this speaks of the hard work of sowing and planting, right? It's, it implies serving. It implies serving God and serving others. And when we do serve, when we're faithful to sow and plant the seeds of the kingdom, what happens? Our hearts are filled with joy. So, in other words, we will have something to show for our labors, the sheaves are the harvest. The sheaves, are, that's the fruit of our labor. So we don't labor in vain. And so the, the Lord promises to give us true joy, true satisfaction, true fulfillment when, when, when we serve him and, and we live according to his, his kingdom principles. I mean, he really is for us. You know? More than we know. Well, he's not that distant God that waits and, you know, impatiently for his people to get their act together. He's really for us. He really is doing everything for us. In uh, John chapter 4, Jesus tells us that his food, meaning you know, food is that which nourishes us and, and sustains us. His, his, his food was to do the will of God and to finish his work. 
When he prayed to the Father in John 17, he said, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. The Apostle Paul declared, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me to do. So, so there's work to do, you know, for the king and in his kingdom. There's no question. And when, you know, when you have a job, the, you work that job for a reward called a paycheck. And you don't have to like the job. Your job may not fill you with joy, <laughs> but um, it's good to understand that, that you would be much more miserable without it. And Jesus, working for him is completely different because when we commit our lives to him and, and we, we move into serving him, he not only re, uh, uh, promises these future rewards, which is, you know, spiritual treasures. That's what awaits us. Well, he also rewards us in the present by filling us with his joy, by giving us satisfaction and fulfillment and true discovery of, of, of meaning in life, by giving us hope, by filling us with this supernatural peace that passes understanding, all these different things, you know. And Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to, but, but to serve. And so the King of kings, the creator of the universe, the, the beginning of the, and the end of all things, who he who has existed f from both spectrums, stepped down from heaven to live among his creation and serve them. The Bible says that he stripped himself of all his divinity, all of his privilege, all of his, um, um, well, divinity, I already said it, and he took the very form of a servant, becoming like uh, 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 in human likeness. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's the Son of God uh, being born in this world in order to defeat all the, the, the powers of darkness, all the power of sin, and lead people out of their slavery into this eternal relationship with the Father. It's about God becoming a man so that man could have eternal relationship with God. It's about Jesus serving us in his death and in his life and his death and his resurrection, serving us so that we can step into eternal life. The lengthy passage I want to read out of Matthew 20, and Jesus is speaking, telling a parable. Uh, in Matthew 20, beginning in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out into the morning and to hire men to work inside his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. But at the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go to work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around and said, why have you been standing around here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landlord. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered, 
one of them, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> so we know that the landowner is God and the vineyard is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so when you and I, as, as God's children, work in his kingdom, you see, it's not about us. It's about the king of the kingdom. And oftentimes in our eyes, we have these different levels of importance, of value, of worth. If you just replace the number of hours in this parable with different ministries, for example, and, and we ask the question, who should get greater reward? The people that, that greet others when they walk in on Sunday, the one who, who makes coffee or the one who publicly prophesies? I mean, the, 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 the compassion person who feeds the poor and maybe prays for, you know, someone in, in, in need or somebody, you know, that's leading worship or the, or the pastor or the children's ministry worker. You know, I believe that, that this can be a wake-up call to us that, that the king is the king and the servants obey him because it's his kingdom. And it's something that we want to come to this place where we are content to be in God's vineyard in, in the way he wants and for however long he wants. In other words, it's a privilege. We have the privilege of serving this king. It's not about, well, that's not fair. No, you have a privilege, whether you've worked for years or whether you just entered into this kingdom. And in that privilege, you'll find pure joy if, we don't complain and grumble like they did. You know, we're, we, 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 we can really enter into the joy of service if we don't complain and, and grumble. And, 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 and we know that as we walk in joy, it's going to lead us into the use of our gifts and abilities and talents and serving, serving the Lord because it's basically it's being faithful to, to use whatever God has given us and lay down our lives for others. So it's receiving vertically what he's given us and then it's giving it out horizontally. That's really all the service is about. Verse 20 to 22, then one of the mother, the, the, then one of the mothers, then the mother of Zebedee, oh boy, I mean, I heard that. But then, a, then, then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, she said. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in the kingdom. So these guys, sons of Zebedee, were James and John, who along with Peter were given some special attention by Jesus, you know, the calling out of the three and special and teaching and instruction and those kinds of things. And so their mother, you know, she, she's approaching Jesus. She wants something that's fair. She's kind of like the, the other workers in that parable. She, she wants to, um, you know, a little bit of fairness here. And so he, he, she, wants, she, wants that, she wants some extra pay, you know. She wants to get a little more. You know, it's kind of like, like, Jesus, please 
let Jimmy and Johnny sit closest to you in heaven. That's what she's really. That's what she's saying. And 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 she's saying, you know, basically they've been serving you all these years, and 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 and. There's some here that are just like newcomers. And, and, and I think that it, it's only fair that you give them a better reward than the rest. And so Jesus says in verse 22, you don't know what you're asking. He said, can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? Well, flippantly they answered, we can. Of course, they had no clue what they were saying. They don't have an idea what they're talking about. But you know what Jesus is meaning here? He's basically saying the road to glory. You're, you're looking for glory. You're looking for favor. You're looking for treasure. You're looking for uh, a higher reward than other people. The, any path of glory is paved with suffering. In other words, if you want to go to the heights of blessing, then you must first endure depth, the depths of, of suffering. Okay? If you're going to soar on the wings of eagles, you're going to have to ride some donkeys first. You know, that kind of deal. Yeah. So Jesus says to them in verse 23 and 24, you will indeed drink from my cup. It's just that cup of suffering. But to sit at the, my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong um, to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Well, of course they were. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> these other ten disciples? This guy, hey, James, hey, John, what, who, who do you guys think? What are you guys doing? You know, who do you think? What is your mother doing? And her, you know, trying to, you know, get Jesus to give you, I mean, we've been with Jesus just as long as you, the, the ten had. And, 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 and so what makes you think you should get more pay than everybody else? So what happened then is what often happens today when we compare ourselves with others. And what happens is fr things like friction and anger and jealousy, all those kinds of things. And, 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 and it, it's, it's like, it, and the reason is when we become more focused on ourselves than other people. And when we do, when we focus on ourselves, then the, those that are around us, we cause trouble. <laughs> you know, things... That, that, that's when trouble. I mean, just think for a, a moment how potentially dangerous this situation could have been. You know? Hurt, misunderstood, frustrated disciples. I'm not sticking around here anymore. You know? I'm leaving my little church or whatever. I, I'm, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna hang with this. And so, so, so they, could have showed, they could have just walked away from their friends. But look how Jesus handled this thing in verse 25 to 28. Jesus called them together, so he knows there's tension, he knows there's issues here, and he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high uh, officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he's going to the heart, isn't he? He's going to the heart. Because, you know, when I talk about service, it's not so much tasks. That's what we think. Well, what do I got to do? 
Well, yeah, you serving de- does involve tasks, but it always is the heart. <laughs> Otherwise, it becomes performance, legalism, and you know, trying to please others based upon the things you do. But when it comes from the heart, it's, it's totally different. And that's why Jesus talked this way. That's why he washed their feet and he said, go, feet and said, go do likewise. I mean, go and wash everybody's feet. He said, that's the heart you're to maintain, that you stoop down in humility as a servant, as a bond slave, and serve people around you. So it's all a heart issue. So we have two primary relationships on earth, our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And with God, in that relationship, we're to relate with Him as a son or daughter who serve Him out of our love for Him. And in our relationship with others, we're to relate to them as servants where we're laying our lives down for Him. Why? Because God laid His life down for us. Believers often get it backwards. Uh, we often um, relate to God as a servant, the result of which is legalism, where everything is about rules, regulations, unrealistic standards of behavior, and all that kind of stuff. They, then they relate with others, not with a heart to serve, but with an attitude of, of competition, comparison, judgment, eventually falling into the trap of disillusionment, like those in the story. So we should relate to God as a son and others as a servant. The greatest love we can show God is to love Him as a son. The greatest love we can show others is to give ourselves to them in service. Giving ourselves to them. Not giving things, but giving ourselves. Believers usually live on the edge of these two Extremes. They either think of themselves, think too highly of themselves, and then compare themselves with others, or they think too lowly of themselves and they compare themselves with others. And Jesus wants to know that it's not about us. You see, it's not about how hard we worked, how nice we think we are, how much we think we've accomplished. It's not about how little we think about ourselves or how unworthy or unaccepted we may feel. Plain and simple, the whole world in which we live is completely and totally about the king and his kingdom. And then you and I have this wonderful privilege, as I said before, of being a son that's born into this kingdom, a son of the king, and that we are servants of others within that king. We're his sons serving others. Just like the son, what is that? I'm talking to myself. Hey, how are you over there? <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh. I'm not seeing another word here. Yes, you are. We do that too, don't we? All right, is it safe yet? Ah, okay. Hmm, that was weird, huh? <laughs> well, I deserve it today. That's a good day. A good day for that. Um, ah, I'm trying to figure out where it was. Anyway, so, oh, 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 yeah. So it's, it's huh? 
So it's just, it's just the deal that, that it's his, he's the king, it's his kingdom, we're his sons, we're his daughters, and we have the privilege of serving in that kingdom, in his vineyard, and, and um, we do it out of love, we do it, and when we do it out of love, he fills us with his joy. You know, that when we went through the book of Nehemiah a while back, um, if you remember, it's about the Hebrew people rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. It was a tremendous project. I mean, I mean, a considerable project with the whole city destroyed, completely destroyed, in ash, you know, and rubble. And uh, it was a project that took uh, all this a tremendous amount of labor. They had to work together in harmony. They had to have the solid teamwork, and they had to persevere because of all the attacks of the enemy during the process. Well, in chapter 10, the... Uh, it was finally completed, and it says in verse uh, 43, Nehemiah chapter 10, On that day they offered great sacrifices, uh, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. And so when we're willing to serve our king and we're faithful to complete the things that he's called us to do and and as we walk in his in in within him it leads us into his joy and and one final truth the joy of the lord will will impact the joy of the lord within us did you know it impacts lives of people around that's what it's saying here even those far away you see our joy impacts those that are even far away true inner joy is contagious often it can't be explained since all you did was what God wanted you to do. But it doesn't have to be explained, just it needs to be experienced. And when we do experiences, others, others will be drawn to that joy. And ultimately, himself, the giver of joy, they'll be drawn to. So let's stand and, and we'll pray to the Lord.